Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. I am your host, Cheats, and joining me as always, we are back together again. It's taken a really long time. Reunited, and it feels so good. Gigi Broadway, how you feeling? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm a little tired, but... You know, it's a little. It's been a little hot. You know, um, summer started a, a little late this year, and it's definitely uh, making up for the tardiness because it's Hades outside the last couple of days. Well, for those of who that join us every other week, we miss Gigi Broadway on the Fourth of July episode. You had started your Fourth of July early. I don't exactly know where you were and what you were doing because you kind of go into a cave. So here's the thing. <laughs> We're literally neighbors. We're down the street from each other. Uh, it is very hard for us to get in the same place at the same time and just to do this show. It's easy to do anything else. If we're doing anything else, we're there. If we're doing this show, it's difficult. And then when you go on vacation, you go on vacation. Like, you are off the grid. Completely. So what did you do on the 4th of July? Did you see fireworks? No. No, and I'm going to be honest, I can't even remember what I did on the 4th of July at this point. It is a blur. I get you. It's a blur. I get you. Fast forward then to this past weekend. Okay. And I know you did, you had some hosting duties. If any of you don't know, Gigi Broadway is a rap battle uh, aficionado. She's an expert in the Virginia battle rap scene. If I can say it, you can't say it, but I can yeah, say it. Yeah, I, I can't say it. I can say it. Uh, you hosted a battle over the weekend. How did that go? Well, first of all, let me just say, I just came to spectate. I, I didn't even know I was <laughs> going there to host. But, you know, if duty calls, I'm there to hop in. You were there, though. You I were, was there. I saw the video, some videos, some social media, that you were actually hosting some of the some of the battles. They bamboozled me. They got me. But the battles were so dope, you know. I, I couldn't, I couldn't deny. You who know? was the, who was the organization? Uh, for for those that don't know, who's the organization doing the weekend's rap battle? Shout out to LOC, um, in a merger with Three BL, aka Three Block, Three um, Block. making their debut with uh, Summer Cruelty Three at the Camel. Very dope show. Started a, a little late, but it was how dope. many battles were there? There's a lot of battles. Um, it was a few. It was about four or five. Okay. And they were all good. And I actually witnessed my first compliment battle. I was in my first compliment battle. Is that the red-handed mad face battle? That was the red. It, it started as a grudge match, and then right. it went very and they just uh, positive. I heard it went. Yeah, I heard it went it left. Just, yeah, yeah. It was not the traditional rap battle. Never been in the building for a compliment battle. It was very, <laughs> very optimistic, very pleasant. Good well, box. I'm glad you had a good time. They had you had a good time. You were able to do your duties. I did. I know you're very... So for those of you who don't know and that's listening to the program, if you're not familiar with the Virginia rap battle scene, email the show at thecheatsmovement at gmail.com. Gigi Broadway. You can hashtag AskGG, and Gigi will respond to your battle rap questions. Yep. Uh, because she is in it. She is in it. I am a spectator. I watch it. I watch one league more than the others. I watch Southpaw more than others. Shout out to Southpaw. But you are in a multi... Like, you are familiar with not only kind of what's happening in Richmond. You're familiar with what's happening in Northern Virginia. You're familiar with what's happening in the DMV. So if you do have a battle rap question, email GG Broadway hashtag AskGG, and we will read these battle rap questions on the air. We will make sure that they get done. Do you have... Who's at the top? Who's at the top? That's the only question I have. 
Who's at the top? Oh, you're trying to get me in trouble. No, 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 no. And you know what? I'll make it easy for you. Okay. Give me two. Who's at the top of the nation, like national, and then who's at the top of Virginia in battle rap? Oh wow, the top nationally. Yeah, who's who would be the the the, the Michael Jordan, the LeBron James? Oh wow, nationally it's, it's, battle. It's it's too much. I'm I'm gonna just I don't know. I'm a big Tay Rock fan. Okay, I haven't seen you get nothing. Out, I know nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, and then in Virginia, who's the person that the people come to see? Twerk, it, man. I don't know. Something right? about twerk. Is okay, just, it's crazy. It's okay. tricky, strapped in. Ask GG. Hashtag ask GG any of your battle rap questions. What else did you do this weekend? Um, You hurt yourself. You have an injury. Ladies and gentlemen, stay off Groupon. <laughs> Please don't get any tens, electro, magnetic massagers. Stay away. They they feel good for the moment, and I am hurting. And I'm, it sounds like a good idea. It's cheap. And, you know, it, it beats going to, like, massage envy. But at the end of the day, just stay away. That's Please. hilarious. So now Gigi, for those who can't see, Gigi cannot walk. She's limping around. And I, I thought she tried <laughs> to, like, leap over something or did some marathon. It turns out that she got a massage, <laughs> a home, in-home massage, in which she now cannot walk. She can't She can't function. She's blamed Groupon, ladies and gentlemen, of all the things that's happening with Gigi Broadway. These are the two things that matter the most. And we're just really concerned about our health. I'm concerned about my, my legs as well. With that said, this episode is an excellent episode brought to you as always by 804 RVA. We have Richmond Public School Jason Camrus is our featured interview. So I was able to go to Richmond City Hall, talk to Superintendent Camrus, more so about his philosophy on education, what the needs are for RPS, and how he's going to go about delivering those. This interview was a first time I was meeting him, first time in his office in City Hall, so it was much more of a get-to-know-you, right? Mm-hmm. It was a much more get-to-know-you type interview. It is not, we have a specific bathroom problem at, you know, George oh. Whit- Like, we're not getting in the weeds. We're going to do that in the future. Okay. But this interview, he's, you know, just got a little bit over 100 days in office now. He's been very vocal on social media. He's been very, he's been coming down to city council meetings and advocating for more funds. He's met every, he's visited every school in RPS. He's done, he's had living room meetings. He's done a bunch of stuff just to get to know the community. So he's involved. He's trying to be involved. uh, My take on it. He's trying to be as involved as possible. We had a really nice interview and that'll be coming up in the second half of the episode. We're very excited to have Jason Cameras on the show. And then we have, as always, our wonderful segment of Hot Topics. Are you ready for We See It, ladies and gentlemen? There's a lot going on in We See It. We talk a, we, we talk a lot about what's been happening on the nation and in Richmond, and that's coming up. We see it with none other than Gigi Broadway. Before we get into all of that, as always, ladies and gentlemen, Dipset. Gentlemen, it is Tuesday, July 17th. We are on WRIR. This is your host, Cheats. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We're happy to be here. I am joined by always Gigi Broadway all day. Gigi, how you feel? Feeling good, man. It is time for our favorite segment of the day. It is our We See It segment. We're going to check in with a little bit of Richmond news, a little bit of national news, and see what you're seeing and what we're seeing. And you can, as always, you can email us 
and comment and ask us a question and we'll try our best to read it on the air up first gg broadway you locked and loaded always oh before we go too further we've got to say congratulations to la blues is, is that how you say it i am not a world cup person but france won the world cup over the weekend four to two against croatia it's the biggest spectacle in the world it's bigger than the super bowl yeah. bigger than the nba finals mm-hmm. everyone is really big into the world cup except for the united states because we did not qualify for the world cup this year ouch did you watch the world cup did you watch one minute of it no no not at all i i, I gotta be honest i watched a little bit very little bit of the championship game <laughs> while i was cleaning the house doing other things okay but i was rooting in my heart i felt like i was rooting for france were you because they won one i've been there i've never been to croatia i defaulted that my my favorite team was mexico when the united states didn't qualify i was rooting for mexico to have a successful run makes sense but when they got knocked out um if i had to choose between croatia and france i've been to france I heard French had an attitude, though. Then somebody had an attitude. I feel like people always say Come that about now. everywhere. Oh, no, no. Now, I the feel like French... Americans have attitudes. The, no, sir. Like, the English have attitudes. The French, they have a special kind of spiciness. And it's, yeah, I heard they had a bit of an attitude. So, I don't know. I got to do uh, I was rude. My, I will tell you this. My time, you hear all of these things. Um, you know, for your first trip, you prep for your first trip going overseas. Mm-hmm. First time I went overseas, I knew we were going to, to France. We we're going a little bit south of France. I want to say it's called the Loire Valley. Mm-hmm. And I was told that try to eat, at least greet people with in, in French because they would be nicer to you <laughs> if you try to speak. You know, the community would be nicer to you if you try to speak their native language. Here come all, already there's a stipulation to the nice. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Everyone spoke English there and everybody was super nice. Like, it was just completely false oh, at the time that I was there. I don't know what your experience has been, but the time I was in Paris, every spo- everybody spoke English. Everyone's super nice. That's that's a, that's a chance. I mean, here you go. You know, <sighs> I will say this. Paris is like the New York City of France. I can see that. It really was. It was like, it seemed very exciting. Like, just everywhere you turn, there was something new. We're, we've completely gone off the rails. It had that... This has nothing to do with anything, but France has won the World Cup. Congrats, I <laughs> guess. Congrats. First topic, and we see it or we don't see it. Ladies and gentlemen, we would mentioned this on the last episode, but it literally had just came out that day. We did not get a chance to ask you about it. Um, we didn't get a chance to ask Gigi about it. So we do want to bring up the report has been released. The Monument Avenue Commission has spoken. For any of you in Richmond, you realize that this is a big deal. Mayor LeVar Stoney put together a team of experts that have studied this issue for about a year. And really, just to be honest, nothing really moved on Confederate monuments while the commission was studying the topic, right? So, a couple weeks now, and it's been a week or so, 115 pages, the report did come out. The news, the big news out of the report was the recommendation of the removal of Jefferson Davis pending legal challenges uh, and state laws on war memorials are amended to allow so. So we all know this. City council would have to put in a paper. Basically, they take control over their monuments. Uh, The state, the General Assembly, would have to make any amendments and approve that change before Richmond could even take control of their monuments and do whatever they wanted with them. 
but Jefferson Dave, the commission recommended the removal of Jefferson Davis. In addition, they recommended, and I want to see if I can get this right because I, there's a chance that I will not get this right in, in restating it. But the other news was for the other statues, not Jefferson Davis, but the other statues, permanent signage in the short term and the creation of a museum exhibit, mobile app, and video to convey the history of the monuments and what they stand for. GG. It's been about a year. 115 page report of experts that I think really did take this task very seriously. Mm-hmm. Their recommendations were possible removal or removal of Jefferson Davis and signage around the others. They also said possibly the mayor said he would like to see new monuments. Mm. Are you satisfied with this or do you think more should be done or less should be done? What are your thoughts on these initial and what we're gonna I think what we're gonna continue to see is other locations, whether it's Maryland, whether it's Louisiana, whether it's Charlottesville, other locations are gonna say enough is enough and remove these statues. Mm. And we're gonna be Dragon. you know, on the wrong side of history and probably a very really long holdout if we don't take swift action with things like the commission report, with things like a, a, a mayor that has said several times he wants to see them go. Right. So this is just I feel like a good I think Long term, it's the right plan, but mm-hmm. I also feel like this is a good opportunity. So I was a little, I was a little, I gave a, good, a little bit of sigh, right? I, that they didn't recommend removing them all. I was, I get it. I get a little bit of a sigh, and I, I don't, I am not nearly as big on the let's put up new monuments because I feel like if we focus on putting up new monuments, mm-hmm. it takes the focus away from putting taking down the the troubling monuments. Right. That's true. So if we're working on paying to put new monuments up, we're definitely not gonna like the old monuments are gonna stay, right? Like uh, oh, that's my yeah, that's my thought. I could be wrong. I'd love to hear from the audience that listen to this show. I know it's a highly contested area. Yeah. Uh, people have strong views about it. My view is, is is pretty strong as well. But I'm willing to listen to people. I'm willing to take their opinion in. If they value my opinion, I will value theirs. Mm-hmm. So feel free to email the show on the Monument Avenue Commission what you think the city should do next, what you think the mayor should do next. It's really important, and I think it's going to be an issue that we're going to wrestle with for years to come. Yeah. Next up, and we see it or we don't see it. I don't know about you. I watch a lot of TV. Gigi, do you watch a lot of TV? Unfortunately, I do. I binge watch a lot of TV. Yep. And so this part of the show, because over the weekend, I binged watch a, a program on Showtime, The Shy. Are you, are you familiar with The Shy? No, I haven't seen it. That's on my binge watch it's list. It's an amazing show, uh, you know, kind of in the vein of, think like Atlanta meets The Wire type of... Wow. No, type type of show. Lena, Lena Waithe, I believe. That's dope. Uh, from Masters of None is the creator of this show. I think she's a Chicago, you know, she grew up in Chicago. They have a lot of, uh, you know, they have a lot of Chicago lo- local personnel in the show, but the, it's, it's got a great storyline, multifaceted storyline, but it's season one of The Shy was 10 episodes. Okay. I watched all 10 yesterday. All 10? Well, over the weekend. Okay. I watched all 10 episodes over the weekend. So it must have been good. It's good. It's definitely good enough to keep you entertained, but it got me thinking. What are the most binge-watchable shows 
of like all time. Like if you had to binge watch anything, what what would you binge watch? If you had to give me a recommendation or give our audience a recommendation on binge watching, what would you watch? Three th- three shows that really stick out in my mind that are super binge watchable are The Wire, Walking Dead, and Game of Thrones. Hands down. You have to binge watch them. Just say, the Wire's on my list as well. Yeah. The Wire could be oh. the greatest series oh. ever made on television. It's that good. It's that good. Underappreciated in its time, actually. Believe it or not, The Wire, every year, it was like, oh, is The Wire coming back? Mm-hmm. But The Wire is amazing. I do not watch Game of Thrones. have never seen one episode of Game of Thrones. It's a whole new level of... Ugh, it's just wicked. It's just wicked. It's violent, though, right? It is beyond violent. It is scandalous. It is seethy. It is spicy. It is everything that it shouldn't be and that you shouldn't want to watch, but you can't stop. But is it compelling? Like, you get, you just get hooked into it. You get submerged in the most petty, wicked, violent, raunchy situations and it's you can't you can't get out of it wow and i've never watched the other one was walking dead walking dead i've never watched walking dead and you don't like to you don't even have to like zombies right to like yeah walking zombies dead. throw me off like i'm not really into that's it. what that's what kind of you know deterred me but right. you don't even have to like them the walking dead is just like a human think piece of just life it, it's just it's just more it's deeper than <laughs> zombies man these <sighs> So I'm trying to think. I am a big uh, documentary. Like I like I like documentaries. As I like to binge watch documentaries. If there's ever like a season of a documentary, and I'm big into sports, so I do watch. There's a net. If you like football, there's a Netflix documentary called uh, Last Chance You. That's on Netflix now. Okay. Um, they're about to start a new season at the end of July, but at literally the first two seasons. They followed a community college in Mississippi. Basically, like, you know, big star recruit gets thrown off of their D1 team, and they land in this place, Scuba, Mississippi, and they have to, like, like, there's this, it's, it's a really, really good documentary season. I love those. I love uh, Last Chance You. I love, like, Friday Night Tights. Yeah. I watch, um... Snoop has a football league that he had a documentary on Netflix. Oh, wow. That's, that's really good. So I like two things. I like the newsy, I like sports documentaries, all of the ESPN 30 for 30s. I don't know oh. if that counts. Yes. I don't know does. if you can like, like you can binge watch them, but I don't know if that counts in regards to like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a series, but I, I could sit down all day and never turn it off ESPN 30 for 30s. I love those. Love them. Um, and then there's a couple of things. I really like news ones. And on Showtime right now, there's a New York Times documentary series. It's a four-part thing that follows the New York Times year one of the Trump administration called The Fourth Estate. And it's like how you cover news in this era of Donald Trump. Oh, wow. And like, it's really just amazing to figure out how like the New York Times covers this president. Um, there's another one on Showtime as well. I think we're giving a lot of a lot of Netflix and Showtime love. Yeah. But there's another one called The Circus. If you ever follow, if you, it's a week to week account documentary style from like strategists and writers, um, John Hellman, um, Mark McKinnon, and they follow like everything that's happening 
in the Trump, like in the political news. Oh wow! Week by week, called the circus. It's amazing. I think they're in like season four, season five, and so they covered the elections all the way up to like covering Trump now. It's one of the most entertaining hours on television. It's fantastic. What an appropriate name, the circus. Whatever it is, they figured it out a long time, and they had a really good. Uh, they have a really good formula. It's just, it's a great, it's binge watchable if you like documentary stuff. I think, Gigi, you're more binge watchable. If you actually like, you know, entertainment, you know, what is it, what's it called? It's a, what's the, what's the type of series? It's not a documentary. It's like a scripted, scripted show. Yeah. Oh, it's scripted. No, like Game of Thrones is a scripted. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you like, yeah, The Wire, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead are like scripted television. Yeah. Oh, 90 Days In is unscripted by... Hot mess. Oh, my goodness. We're going to move on. We can't... Be, moving on. We can't even get... It's, we can't begin to talk about... We could be here forever. The final, oh, final, man. we see it before we get out of here. Look, you know what? I got to throw in a quick shout out because it's just... It's a depressing time, <laughs> and I don't want to depress everyone that's listening. Please. So, Virginia Tech's Gianna Seaborn became the first black female nanoscientist in the state of Virginia... I think she's 22 years old. There's only a handful of fairly new programs that offer a nanoscientist degree in Virginia. Virginia Tech's one of them. She went through all the previous graduates and it found out that there was never an African-American woman that graduated with this degree. So, Gianna, shout out to you. We definitely want you on the show. We want you to go one-on-one with Gigi Broadway in the future. If anybody knows her, Tell her the Chiefs movement would love to interview her. I think I've already sent out an obligatory tweet <laughs> that says how much we appreciate this black excellence. Yeah, it's, so, that's too dope. It's, it's, it's extremely We dope. need more nanoscientists in the world. We do. Especially ones that are black females. Oh, that, that's just amazing. That warms my heart. It, that just it's such an inspiration. That is an inspiration. We should have ended with that, but we're not. We're going to end with complete trash. And that complete <laughs> trash is... Again, I told you I'm a big sports fan. The NFL has another problem this summer. Uh, The reports came out last week. All pro Buffalo Bills running back LaShawn McCoy was charged. I don't know if he was charged. I know he's officially charged. He wasn't even charged. But he was accused on social media of really grotesque domestic violence. The thing I love about this story, I don't like anything about this story, but the thing that I think I find completely interesting about this story is the way that news breaks in 2018. The way that this broke was one of LaShawn McCoy's ex-girlfriend's friends posted the pictures on Instagram. The first media organization that picked it up was Baller Alert. (laughs) So BallerAlert.com picks up this story of LaShawn McCoy's ex-girlfriend's friend claiming LaShawn McCoy is... Not only domestic violence, the pictures are horrible with domestic violence, but it was also steroid use, child abuse, dog abuse, uh, dog abuse, right? ESPN, TMZ, CBS, NBC, all of them have to pick up this report in 2018 that's broken by Baller Alert. And that's how news is broken in 2018. Yep. So there's not a lot of facts, right? There's not a lot of stuff that we know that happened. But the NFL now has to really investigate, figure out what's happened. This is a very signature player in the NFL. He's basically on his way to a Hall of Fame career. 
He's a very, very talented player. However, I, he's in a fight for his career and pretty much his, you know, kind of freedom as it comes to these incidents. The incident, as the days have gone by, gets more kind of more puppet mastery, right? Like, then oh, they're yeah. not accusing him of actually committing the acts of violence now, right? I, I don't know, man. It seems like he was just convicted from that first post and everyone started going in. I it's like conspiracy theories floating around we don't know if he did it we don't even know if he was there i i don't know i'm just confused i'm so just it waiting started for with you know it seems it started with the instagram pictures and it was like you did this yeah but i think well, the more we learn more about the situation she was living in his house they are they are estranged they are not together but she was living in his house and she had possessions of some of his stuff that from time to time he would asked for back and she did not deliver them so i think the accusations now is that there was a burglary a targeted burglary and beating of this woman in the house and the accusations is he orchestrated okay this as opposed to him physically going and doing it himself yeah now the challenging thing about all of this is obviously the timing no one can rush to judgment in 2018 on anything things always kind of don't seem like they how they appear firsthand right Right. the other challenge is the nfl just has this problem they have this problem with cte right oh like they have this problem with prominent players like aaron hernandez or prominent players committing suicide or acts (laughs) of violence i think kellen winslow was one out of the university like big nfl player at the university of miami that just got charged with some horrible horrible crimes so it, it, I mean, so now, as opposed to when it was like, oh, this could not have happened, you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you just don't know. You just don't know. So, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about. There's a lot of things to think about. What these types of stories, they're horrible, horrible stories. There's always a victim at the other end. We just want to make sure that, one, uh, you know, the victims are taken care of, families are taken care of, and prayers for them. And then two, an organization like the NFL really gets to the bottom of this as quickly as possible as best way they can because you just never know. Yeah. And you hate to like ruin a person's livelihood over off of a you know, a story that's not even true. Let me know what you think. That is we see it for Tuesday, July seventeenth. We'll try to do better next time. <laughs> I'll tell you, some of these stories are right depressing, man. The dog days of summer. You never can tell what you can get. We are going to come back with our exclusive one-on-one featured interview with Richmond Superintendent of Public Schools, Jason Camrus. We'll be back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Cheats Movement on WRIR. This is our featured interview for this episode. We have Richmond Public School Superintendent Jason Cameras with us. Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. We are in the 17th floor conference room. I can Yes. I can honestly say I don't think I've ever been here before. Yeah. How do you like all the wood paneling? Hey, I'll tell you, <laughs> it is a spectacular office. Uh, you've been on the job now. We are over 200 days. No, not yet. Not yet. Not so, yet. Oh, oh, they said, what's the 200-day number? Uh, August 20th. Okay, so we're yeah. well past 100 days. Yes. You've done the 100-day report that's yep. out. You've been uh, hitting some hitting some of the, the press circuits as yes. well. There's been some good profiles that allowed us to do some research and help, help, help out getting this interview done. Uh, I want to start with one that's 
more of a philosophical question that is probably not something that you get asked a lot, but you hear it a lot. So we hear a lot as citizens, not just in Richmond, but in the country in general, concerns, right, about American education, like how we're competing with the world, are we competitive? And then, you know, some of the more cynical voices of the world will literally kind of say American education as it currently states is fundamentally flawed or it's currently broken. You're an educator. You've been uh, basically a lifelong educator with a yep. pretty stellar record. Obviously, I know you believe in the people and you believe in the community. But as the system, it, do you have concerns in regards to the way we're educating our children on a, on a macro scale? Well, look, I think the story of American education, public education, is really a sort of a a two-part story. I think one is it has been, um, for many folks, uh, an incredible pathway to upward mobility, to success in life, um, and I think we should celebrate that. At the same time, for many others, it has not. And more often than not, that's kids of color, low-income kids, um, kids with disabilities. And so, you know, I've tried to spend my career focused on closing that differential so that the public education system serves all kids and ensures that all kids, no matter who you are, what zip code you live in, has the opportunity to live up to your potential and pursue your dreams. So I think that is the that's the core problem in my mind with public education in America today is that we just don't give an equal opportunity to all of our kids. And that's a fitting segue into your current kind of climate, right? Yeah. There's a lot of talk and we'll get into a little bit of the yeah. you know, the engagement tour that you've been on with communities and schools, but there's always a lot of talk and has been and it's really a current theme as in 2018 in this current climate of the two Richmonds. And I'm sure you've heard this or Richmond versus RVA. Um, And one of the things I'm hearing from you is one of the concerns of all public education is leaving, you know, certain elements behind, whether they're persons of color, persons with disabilities. That's That's very apparent here in Richmond. What is it about the Richmond opportunity, given the philosophy you just presented, that made you want to Drive, drive down days. 95. What, what was it about the Richmond opportunity and kind of seeing the landscape that made you want to in, take this challenge on, take this opportunity on, and really engage in this city and this community? Yeah, you know, uh, I have really fallen in love with Richmond and with RPS, and I think part of it is it's such an incredibly diverse and interesting and complex community, and I really love that. I think also... The history of the city makes this work very, very meaningful to me. So as you think about the long arc of history, here we are in the former capital of the Confederacy, uh, which was um, all about preserving the institution of slavery, amongst many other things. And to be able to now do this work, which I see as connected to that, um, to disrupt the injustices that we are still living with as a legacy from all those years later is incredibly powerful. And I think the opportunity to be just a piece of that narrative and help change the trajectory of the city is um, something which is inspiring to me. And it's one of the reasons I was so attracted to the position. And that's amazing because that kind of role of education especially in this city as even serving as a way to disrupt history 
that's a pretty unique perspective. That's not a perspective that, yeah. um, you know, even people that look, that even, obviously, advocates of education may not look at it as, you know, this is our role to kind of, when you explain that philosophy to other members of the school board, city council, and mayor's office, have you found it to be a shared vision? Yeah, I think largely our elected officials um, have that shared vision, and I think most members of the community do as well. Um, I think the the key is charting that path to make that vision become sure. a reality. So <laughs> that's, I like the smile when you said that. The, yes, uh, nuts and bolts. That's the core work ahead of us, yeah. Let's talk about some of your, even before we get into the actual specific plan for RPS, but just some of your philosophy on education. You've got an interesting background in the sense of not every day we have a national teacher of the year, right? (laughs) One of the challenges with those types of spotlights is that all the things that got you to that award, they stop asking you to do, right? (laughs) So, you know, like now they're taking you out of the classroom and now you're, Yes. You know, on tour, doing those things. And it's a real challenge, right? It's a real challenge to balance between what got you to National Teacher of the Year versus what they ask you to do afterwards. Right. Now you're at a, at a position here where you have to look at other teachers. You always have, but you've mm-hmm. got to look at other teachers. You have to evaluate those teachers. You have to evaluate those principals and the, and the communities and the cultures of those schools. Philosophically, what do you think makes a good teacher and in turn what makes a good support system for that teacher Mm. well what makes a good teacher um i think first of all you gotta love kids and (laughs) um i i know i know i know that sounds (laughs) sort of funny but um yeah i mean you gotta have that passion that love that energy to work with young people every day i think number two you really gotta know your stuff um so if you're a math teacher you gotta know your math um if you're a science teacher you gotta know your science i think three you got to really believe in the potential of all kids. And, um, you know, I think sometimes teachers enter the profession and they kind of believe. And then over time, that belief gets chipped away by life. And when I see really great teachers, they, they hold on to that belief and they do whatever it takes to make sure that their kids are successful. Now, on the other side of the equation, though, we got to support them. And, you know, I've often said I've never met a teacher that didn't want to be a great teacher. But I've met a lot of teachers who didn't have the support, didn't have the resources that they needed to be successful. And so um, one of the things that I think is going to be critical to our success going forward is making sure that we have the right supports in place for our teachers. I hear so many times when I'm out at schools, Teachers saying that they're staying up late at night, working three, four hours a night on lesson plans. That's crazy. Um, You shouldn't be spending almost as much time teaching as you're doing lesson planning. So finding the right ways to make sure teachers are using their time in the best possible way, the right coaching, the right mentoring, that's going to be critical to our success. Sometimes, I would argue oftentimes, but sometimes the kind of the teachers and the administration or the principal seem to be at odds with the community, if you Mm. will. As the superintendent, you have to, and you've been an engaging one, we'll talk about that in a little bit, in regards to meeting parents, right? Meeting PTA staff, meeting teachers and principals. How, How do you sort out, kind of even on a fundamental 
level conflicts, right? When, you know, the teachers are saying something and you've got to support the teacher in the school and the principal administration saying one thing, maybe the students are saying another, maybe the, how do you kind of investigate those strained relationships? Well, one, let me just say we have a lot of good relationships. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and it's not an indictment on current RPS. I was just... Um, no, no, that's quite right. Um, look, every story has at least 17 sides, so sure. I try to understand all the different perspectives and then marry that with my 20-plus years of experience in education to draw some conclusions and be able to make some decisions. I also rely, obviously, on my team, um, who can do a lot of that work um, on my behalf. Um, and it's it's an imperfect exercise, and, um, you know, I hope we get it right most of the time. And when we don't, um, you know, I'll be the first to, to say that and make the correction and find the path forward. But um, I think it all comes down to um, doing the very best you can to take lots of different people's perspectives and put those together and come to the best decision possible. And that's a good, let's ask about that, because you have been on a whirlwind of yes. an engagement tour. Yes. I mean, every school in RPS, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, living rooms. Yep. Every meeting, monthly meetings with yes. school board, right, city council. One of the things that has always been, um, well, one of the things that have historically been a source of tension is the relationship between school board, city council, and the mayor's office. And where... Here in Richmond? What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, here I'm in just, Richmond. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Here in Richmond is, and so you have been actively engaging all of those kind of sources. My question is, how do you continue or how do you, what's your goal in regards to maintaining an active, transparent working relationship between you and the members of school board, city council, and the mayor's office? Um, And together, how do you see all of that kind of rowing the canoe forward for RPS? Yeah, well, look, um, we are all in our positions to serve the public. And I fundamentally believe everybody on the council, everybody on the school board, the administration, the mayor's office, everybody wants RPS to be great. And I think if you can just remember that, it sustains you during those times when when there's conflict. And conflict is normal. It's part of democracy. Um, But I also think that one of the ways that we can, as you say, row in the same direction is by clarifying the direction. And so that's one of the reasons we're working so hard to put on paper this strategic plan for the future. I think, unfortunately, RPS hasn't had a strategic plan in a couple of years. And so you have a lot of different folks um, who, out of goodwill, are trying to help the system. But I've often said it's, it's almost like random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And so we need to get all of that effort headed in the same direction so that we can be successful for our kids. You, we mentioned this a couple times, and I, and I do want to go back to it because I'm really, really impressed about the number of engagement opportunities you've already had. During this kind of whirlwind tour of engaging Richmond and getting to know the city and getting to know the people, what's the thing that stands out to you the most? Mm. I think just how welcoming everybody has been. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm in a living room or a... Uh, you know, big town hall or school board, everybody has really been open sharing what their dreams are, um, also sharing what their concerns are. They're not shy about that. Sure. Um, but I, you know, as I said before, I, I love Richmond and I think it's 
It's just this incredibly, incredibly special place, a ton of civic pride. And so I feel very lucky to be here. Um, in many ways, I feel like I won the lottery to be able to serve in this role. The voice you are hearing is Richmond Public School Superintendent Jason Cameras. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We're going to switch gears a little okay. bit. Uh, because you did hit the gates running. You released uh, a 100-day plan in February, came yep. back in May, released all the goals that you had completed and where you were with all of them. For anyone that hasn't read the 100-day plan, especially the final version, I encourage you to do so. Three core values uh, in your 100-day plan, engagement, equity, and excellence. We talked a little bit about the engagement part. Sure. The equity part is one that I highlighted, and I hate to read on air, so I'll try I'll to... I'll say uh, he really did highlight it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, try, I'll try to do the best I can. But this really stood out to me uh, in regards to your ideas for RPS. We must close opportunity gaps and dismantle institutional bias that continue to disadvantage students of color, students from low-income families, students who receive special education services, and students who do not speak English as their native language. That equity piece, that just is shocking that it's just not addressed as often as we would like in society, not just education. Why was this such a fundamental thing for you to put in your 100-day plan? Well, it goes back to the the first question you asked me. Um, When I think about the promise of public education in America, I see it as so much more than reading and math and art and music, all these very, very important things. But for me, you know, I believe it's really about social justice. And I think if done right, education can be that lever that changes the trajectory of our nation. And I think it really does have the ability to, uh, you know, dismantle those inequities that have gripped our nation for so long. And I'm not saying education can do it alone, but so much starts, I think, um, with the education that we give our kids and making sure that every kid gets what they need. And by the way, uh, as I say publicly, equity isn't equality, right? Equality, everybody gets the same thing, but a lot of our kids need more. Because they don't start from the same starting place. They don't start from the same starting place. And so Um, more teachers, more supports, more after-school opportunities, and so on and so forth. So that is, um, that's why I get up every morning to do this work. One of the challenges of teaching in any, or educating in any kind of population where poverty is an issue, and obviously the numbers speak for themselves, our youth in the city of Richmond, uh, the latest numbers I saw were around 40% uh, that are living below the poverty line is that kind of holistic approach. One of the things you put in your equity piece is trauma-informed care. Talk to me a little bit about what your goals is behind that and what does that mean for our community? Look, so many of our young people here in Richmond, and this is true around the country, um, face all kinds of trauma in their lives, whether that is violence, whether that's abuse, um, whether it's experiencing homelessness, um, so many different issues. And those those experiences affect kids' development and affect their ability to be successful. And we have to equip our teachers and our schools with the skills and the practices that are necessary to help kids who are experiencing those things in their lives show up and then do the Pythagorean theorem. And in America, we don't really train teachers to do that kind of work. 
Um, and we now know there's a great deal of research about what are some of the kinds of things that we can do to help kids who experience traumatic experiences in their lives be better prepared for school, be more successful in school. And so that's what this work is about. And I think it's indispensable to us being able to achieve our big goals for the future of RPS. Quickly on this one, because we yeah. got to wrap right, up sorry. on a couple of things. I'll and be succinct. and this is around. a loaded question, so it's my fault. Go for it. But one of the other things that you did that really stood out to me is that you took a walk on the Richmond Slave Trail yeah. with members of the school board and some guided uh, professionals. What was that experience like in regards to an educational, uh, as far as education for you? Like, what was that walk of the Richmond Slave Trail with? professionals and RPS what did it help you understand in regards to applying it to your position it was incredibly powerful I think the most powerful experience we had as a group um, look I believe deeply that you have to um, have true understanding of a community to be able to serve it and so for me this was part of that process for my own education I also brought my family my kids my wife oh wow. yeah um, and I think it's important that we understand as best as we can the history of Richmond if we're going to be a part of the Richmond community, be a part of the fabric, and in my role to serve the community. And so I know that there are countless people who have been working on behalf of justice and equity in Richmond for decades, mm -hmm. centuries, quite frankly. Um, I'm grateful to be able to be a part of that, but I also want to recognize I have a lot to learn. And so that's why I wanted to wanted to demonstrate learning has to be a part of what we do in education not just for the kids but for the adults as well i yell at a lot of people that do interviews uh when we talk about richmond public yeah. uh, education if we do talk more about uh kind of a white and black issue yeah i've heard you mention and it's to your credit i actually did a tour of the sacred heart center on south side and they have just and they talked to me about the challenges of a growing latino population in richmond how do you um, kind of prepare RPS for that growing Latino population? Well, let's say um, uh, we have many uh, engaged families on, on the South Side uh, yeah. in the Latino community. Look, I, like as you said, the, the history of Richmond for centuries has been a black-white narrative. And I think we are all coming to grips with the fact that um, it is more complex than that now. And part of that is just very tactically, we need more bilingual staff, more ESL teachers, which is why we put about 17 positions more in the budget oh, wow. precisely for that next year. But also it's a mindset issue. We need to make sure that um, everybody is thinking about the Latino community in the same breath that we're thinking about our African-American students and our white students, students of all different backgrounds. Sure. They are an integral part of the Richmond story now and we need to make sure that we are doing everything we can to help them feel welcome and truly part of the fabric of Richmond. I have to ask you about funding. Yeah. One thing about you and funding, you are consistent. Yeah, I try. <laughs> whether, whether it was the meals tax or the hey, cigarette tax, you were down at City Hall. I'll take any money you got. Advocating yeah. for more. That's a good question. I'll, that And that's what I want to ask because you've, you, like I said, you've been in City Hall active advocating for more funding for RPS. Yeah. You've made it clear about the need for RPS to have more sustainable fund, not just yep. one-offs. Yep. Uh, and I tend to agree with that. One of the things that we hear in the community often is all money's not necessarily good money. Um, you've, you've made an initiative to have more partnerships, nonprofits, corporate, 
What's your uh, view in regards to how RPS can use corporate funding, nonprofit funding to make a better system? Yeah, look, the primary responsibility to fund the school system rests with government, the state, and the city, and a little bit from the federal government. And but failed over. <laughs> and there's been a failure, right? Over and over. No, it's, it's not. I like, mean, look. It's, it's fact, right? Look, it's not I, get, like I mean, it's come short, right? It's, it's pretty simple. Yeah. You know, if you look at the state funding, we are still below where we were pre-recession in right. 2008, right? So we're 10 years later, and we are not even back where we were then. So, yeah, there has been a failure, um, which is why I would be crazy to say no to other folks who want to help and invest. Now, some members of the public will say, oh, well, then are you going to make certain decisions because you got money from this company or that nonprofit? No. And, you know, I, I've been very transparent. I'm glad to, to take Altria's money to invest in after-school programs and other things. And I'm also going to support the cigarette tax, which I did publicly. So I feel as long as I stay true to my values, I'm glad to take funds uh, to support our kids because our kids need it. Walk into any one of our schools and tell me that you don't think our kids deserve more money. You've been very active. It might drive a lot of your staff crazy. You're very active on social media. You're very yes. good on social media. I try. Twitter seems to be hey, your, your handle of choice. I got to – like, if you don't tell your story, somebody else will. <laughs> well, I, like, but that's a good point. I mean, how has that social media direct to the audience – um, there's pictures of you joining students at walkouts. There's pictures of you just being real in city, city hall, city yep. council, just being really engaged. Is it just kind of where we are in 2018? You got to be telling your own story on social. What, uh, what is it about well, Twitter that makes you love it so much? Um, I do think it's the like direct connectedness. Sure. And one of the things I heard a ton of it just in my first couple of weeks is more communication, more communication. And, um, I think folks just want to know more what's going on. And so Twitter is a great way to be able to do that. But there are other things that we're doing now. I do a weekly kind of message out to the whole RPS mm -hmm. community to kind of share what's going on, what's on my mind. Um, we try really hard to make our presentations at board meetings very clear so everybody in the community can understand, try to be physically present. Um, but Twitter is great because you can get out to thousands of people instantly. Um, and so I will continue to do it. I'll bust your chops on one thing. Okay, on go for it. On the Twitter thing. I think there's a tw No, I think there's like a thing in your profile that says, my tweets are my own. Yeah. <laughs> you do realize anything you say, you're going to speak for yeah, the entire... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I looked well, at that and I was like, hold look, on now. It's like... How does this work? You know, sometimes that's I get awesome. I get a little political. So <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying not to get RPS in trouble. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you may not. You're not familiar with this show. This is your first time on. Hopefully, we'll have you uh, a number of times as you go I'd through this to. journey yeah, together. Yeah. One of the things about us is our audience is really into music. Okay. Uh, it's a big. It's a hip hop heavy audience. <laughs> so I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna put you on the spot there. Oh, dang. But All I'll right. put you on the spot and ask, what's in your playlist? What are you? What are you working out to? What are you listening to on long car rides? You and the family uh, yeah. doing vacation. What's what's the top so Jason Cameras music? The truth of the matter is my wife controls the music. As on every the line. good husband should say. Yes, I mean it's the God's honest truth. You could ask her, um, and she has a very eclectic um, music interest. It spans like '80s pop, R&B, country. Uh, she's even got a little gospel in there, so there go. it's it's all over the place. So okay, yeah, but no, no personal favorite. If you had, if you're oh god, no, um, too hard. I mean. I, Honestly, um, I, I will tell you this. When I was a kid, I remember when the Thriller album came out. Michael Jackson. Yeah, and 
Um, I, my brother, my older brother bought it, and that was, like, the first album that was, like, routinely played in our room. I like it. Um, and so I do have a soft spot in my heart for Michael Jackson. Nothing wrong with that. This is Richmond Superintendent Jason Cameras. How does everyone, like, we talked about your Twitter handle, but how does everyone get in touch with you? How does everyone follow what's going on in RPS? In your journey, the strategic plane is coming up next. Yep. How do they, how do they stay engaged? Uh, A couple ways. Um... Always our website, rvaschools.net. Follow me on Twitter, at Jason Cameras. Um, and then look for us out and about at schools and in community events. And then also you can shoot me an email, jcameras at rvaschools.net. That's it. We're going to have to leave it there. This is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We'll be back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement on WRIR. We are back. Gigi is still with us. Gigi, how you feeling? Feeling good. Still rolling, man. It is time for our final segment of the program. It's our music picks. If you go to thecheatsmovement.com, as of yesterday, there was an amazing editorial posted by Tico, one of our writers. Chanel Tico Nicole wrote about the evolution of women in hip-hop. I think it's a very strong, powerful piece. You want to check that out. Let us know your opinions on the current state of women in hip-hop. Gigi, it's a loaded question for you, but... We were going to highlight at least two women that you should be listening to, one local, one national, in hip-hop today. Gigi, who you got? Who should we be listening to, women in hip-hop? I'm going to go ahead and jump out there. I'm going to give a shout-out to my girl, Azalea Banks. <laughs> you know, she's, she's an acquired taste. She's not for everybody, but she's for me. So I'm going to shout her out. What do you like, Azalea Banks? Oh, man. She's unapologetic. She's strong. She doesn't bite her tongue. She means what she says and says what she means. Whether it's uh, coming from a mentally sound and stable mind. Could remains be, to be seen. Remains to be seen. I think she's all there. I think she's sharp. And um, she's just, she's the epitome of unapologetic. And I love her. Her music. I'm going to leave it up to our Keep audience. 100. Keep it 100. Because you told me earlier that you love Azalea Banks, but you're not as familiar with her music. Why you always got to call me out? Keep it 100. <laughs> there's, the new, there's a new song. What's the new song called? She dropped some called Anna Wintour. Another powerful, you know, woman. Um, who, again, Keep it 100, who you also said might be an alien or something. Anna Wintour might be a robot. What She's definitely say? the Illuminati um, with some type of MK Ultra, you know, handling situation going on. I'm going to be honest. I, but Azalea Banks... We should all give her music a try. You're going to give it a try this week? I am. I'm committed to, you know, um, seeing what she's talking about. I, I heard a couple things, you know. We're going to get on beat selections and, and directions of the music a little, you know, a little later. Maybe Here, in another episode. But she's the awesome. Thing. The thing about Azalea Banks is I think the best thing about Azalea Banks is her music. I think all the other <laughs> oh stuff. I think all the other stuff that you appreciate, kind of the crazy interviews and the irrational behavior and all that stuff. I, I don't need that because I think she makes good music. You say irrational. I say, you know, spot on, very empowered. So. I think she makes good music. So I'm going to, I will leave, I will give you that one. Listen to Azalea Banks. We'll come back and we'll talk about it. Email us. I'm going to highlight a Richmond female MC that I've gotten to know a little bit here in 2018 and got to know her music. Shout out my girl Cole Hicks. Cole Hicks released the album Mayday. It's really, really it's good. Really good. Shout out Brent, who does a lot of producing on the album. So a female producer works on the album, a female MC, along with some other uh, 
you know, notable names, name brand is on the album. Uh, a couple of other, just it's just a really, really solid album. Mayday from Nicole Hicks. Let me get straight to it. It's only right that I do it. See you talking all that foolishness. since I don't do no talking, boy, I just do this shit. I'm just showing and I'm proving it. I don't need a validation. I'm the ultimate decision maker when it comes down to decision making. Long hair, don't care. Got them thinking she Jamaican. Neck burn, on chains. Tell them I salam alaikum. She also released a joint album with Joey Gallo, Golden Chariot, uh, Chariots. I thought was really good. So she's been getting it in in 2018. We're working on a little something special in August. I'm really excited about. We can't, you know, it can't even be announced. But I am biased. I'm a big Cool Hicks fan. Very, very excited for her potential and what she's going to do, not only in Richmond, but moving on. Facts. With that, those are our music picks. GG, another episode in the books. You need to leave. What are you going to leave with the people? <sighs> the devil is a lie. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Hey, as always, email the show at thecheatsmovement at gmail.com. You can tweet us. You can Instagram us. We're all on Instagram. Look for Mark Cheatham and Gigi Broadway. Until next time, W-R-I-R, we see it.